You're listening to RE Snapshots. Each fortnight we chat about the science behind the weeds, tackling herbicide resistance and bringing you the latest information with experts in the field. Today for RE Snapshots, we're chatting with Steve Powles, who is the director of RE, about a new RE paper with another tricky name, as they all have. This one is entitled Novel Tubulin Mutations Conferring Resistance to, I can't say this word, Steve, how do I say this one? Dinitroenolone. Herbicides in Lollium Rigidum. And the authors are a few tricky names as well, Zijan Chu, Jinyi Chen, Alex Naporko, Herping Han, Xinyu and Stephen Powles. So, Steve, can you give us a little bit of background, first of all, on this paper? Uh, yes, Jessica. This paper is about resistance to the well-known herbicide trifluralin, which has been used in Australia since the 1960s. And it's about resistance, which has evolved in ryegrass, uh, and that has occurred in several parts of Australia. So while it's got that complex name, dinitroaniline herbicides, the most prominent member of that class of herbicides in Australia is trifluralin, known to almost all cropping farmers in Australia. Yeah, excellent. And so, yeah, like you said, uh, it does look specifically at trifluralin resistance, this paper, in ryegrass. How widespread, though, is the problem of trifluralin resistance today? It's becoming quite widespread, Jessica. So in South Australia, the uh, workers over there, researchers, uh, mainly Peter Pizzalis in the lab of Chris Preston, they've shown a lot of resistance to trifluralin. There's more in South Australia than any other state's um, there's much less in Eastern Australia, but here in Western Australia, the Michelle Owen RE surveys and the latest survey shows 30% of the randomly collected 500 paddock survey populations, 30% of the ryegrass samples have got some level of trifluralin resistance. So it's a real concern. It's been a absolute um foundation herbicide for us and it's starting to fail so yes it's a, it's an increasing problem now this study is really an international study so uh, i think i've uh, talked with you before about what a great uh, alliance we've had through the china scholarship council with having good scholars coming from china funded by china and in this case the first two authors one was a Chinese scholar came for a year, and Jin Yi Chen, who's a PhD student here at UWA in Ari, and then a man, uh, a professor in the Ukraine, and shows you the power of modern communication. <laughs> We've never met. Yeah, right. Uh, and yet he has collaborated with us on this uh, project because he's a, a computer based modeling. Uh, person and then Yu Xing and myself. So, Excellent. yeah, truly international study. Yeah, very good. Now, trifluralin has been a lower risk herbicide in resistance evolution in the past, taking more shots for resistance to evolve than other herbicides. What What are your thoughts around this? Well, the main reason is that it's a pre emergent herbicide. And when you have a pre emergent herbicide and, and plants survive because they're resistant, uh, they've still got a good chance of being killed by something else. So they may be killed by uh, operations associated with seeding. They 
they've got a good chance of being killed by post-emergent herbicides or some other uh, control mechanism or harvest weed seed control. So in general, pre-emergence are themselves lower risk. And then trifluralin, it's quite difficult for plants to evolve resistance to trifluralin, but uh, as this paper shows and other papers, it can occur. And yeah. Occurring. yeah, that's right. And specifically, the paper looks at novel mutations in the ryegrass gene alpha-tubulin. Could you explain how this works, including what alpha-tubulin does and its importance in cell division? Yes. So, of course, these things are always complex biochemistry in the end. And how do the dinitronaline herbicides like trifluralin, how do they work? Well, what they do is they stop cells dividing. And, of course, if you stop cells dividing then you are stopping growth. Uh, now it's more complicated than that. <laughs> How do they stop cell division occurring? Well, inside all cells, including our cells and almost all living organisms, are things called uh, microtubules. And they're important in moving things around in the cell and helping the cell chromosomes to line up when cell division uh, occurs and trifluralin and other dinotrianoline herbicides, they block the, the correct formation of these microtubules. So that's why they inhibit uh, one of the tubulin genes here. So they stop cell division. And when you don't have cell division, you don't have growth. And that's why if you look at the roots uh, and, the, and the little seedlings of plants treated with trifluralin, they get a club-shaped look about them. They're just not able to go through cell division. Right. Nucleotide mutations were also recorded in rice calli. Firstly, can you tell us what rice calli is and why do researchers use it? And could you explain the findings around it? Yeah, it's sort of like another language, isn't it, Jessica? Yeah, <laughs> lots of complicated words. So many of our listeners know that we talk about target site resistance and non-target site. Now, when we're talking about target site resistance, we're talking about when the herbicide binds to the target site and any changes which can minimise or prevent the herbicide binding to the target site. So you now know the target site for uh, trifluralin is the alpha, is the tubulin, yep. and that's coded for by the alpha-tubulin gene. And so what this research has shown, which is in agreement with research done in other species in other parts of the world, and in agreement with some good work done at the Wade Institute from Chris Preston's lab in Adelaide, is that there is target site resistance to trifluralin due to nucleotide mutations of the alpha tubulin gene. Right. And now there's several different target site mutations of the alpha-tubulin gene that give resistance to trifluralin. So we've shown this for many, not all herbicides, but one more case of there can be for trifluralin target site resistance in which a mutation prevents the trifluralin from binding to the tubulin. Yeah, right. So is rice calli just easier to work with 
Yeah, so some other plants. So in this high science, really, it's it is high science. Uh, it's one thing for us to identify that there's a mutation, but you're not going to take that as as good evidence, Jessica. You need some further evidence, don't you? <laughs> yeah. To be certain. certain. So we need to know, oh, we've identified this particular mutation in the alpha tubulin gene. How do we prove that that mutation is actually giving the resistance? And what we do is we then work with rice or other tissue, but rice called calli. It just means we're growing rice cells in the test tube and we engineer, genetically engineer, that particular mutation into the rice calli, so into the rice cells, and then we give those rice cells the herbicide. And what we expect and what happens is if we've got the normal uh, rice calli, then it will stop growing. There'll be no growth because trifluralin is inhibiting growth of those cells. Trifluralin is a powerful inhibitor of cell division. But if they've got that mutation, we've shown that the cells will grow, the rice callow will grow normally. Right. So that is beautiful, elegant proof that that particular mutation is giving resistance. Okay. And we've done that with each of the mutations that we've identified. So it's we never used to be able to do that. It's only the last few years that the technology allows us to do that. So now when we say, this particular nucleotide mutation gives resistance. We can say it with absolute confidence because we've expressed it in rice calli. In some cases, we've regenerated plants and expressed them in the plants. Absolutely certain. Excellent. The resistance. Awesome. So, Steve, you mentioned target site resistance just before, but what about metabolic resistance when it comes to trifluralin? Can you explain the difference between the two and do we have any idea of which is more common or is it likely they both exist in many populations? Yeah, so we've, we've talked about target site resistance and the other type of resistance is non-target site where the resistance is, is as the word suggests, and not to do with the target site, in this case, the tubulin uh, and tubulin gene. And yes, and not in this particular paper, but in work that Jinyi Chen, she's a Chinese PhD student uh, at UWA in RE working on, on uh, trifluralin resistance, very good young student, and Jinyi Chen has clearly shown that there is also metabolic resistance. So non-target site resistance, metabolic resistance, meaning the ability to degrade, metabolise, break down the herbicide into non-toxic forms uh, by enzymes in the plant. And she has uh, shown and is uh, writing a paper at the moment um, showing that there's metabolic resistance, so non-target site resistance, and in some populations of ryegrass from the Australian uh, wheat belt, uh, some of these populations have target site and they have non-target site. And that, of course, we know from other herbicides like the group A and group B herbicides. So now we also know it for trifluralin. So uh, quite possible for an individual plant to have target site resistance on its own, another plant to have 
non-target site metabolic resistance and another plant to have both. And that's, of course, especially the issue with ryegrass because it's cross-pollinates and there's always sure. pollen floating around, as we know, in springtime. So is there any data around how common both are or any data around the numbers in terms of which have both target site and metabolic? Or Yes, we don't know that. We At the moment, we don't know do most of our populations have target site or non-target site. If you ask me to guess, I'd say target site is more common and the metabolic non-target site uh, increasing, but that's that's only a guess. Yeah. We haven't done that work. Sure. So what would make you make that guess? What's the basis behind your guess there? Because the first populations were looked at, that we've looked at, when I say we, I mean particularly Jin uh, Yi and then some students, uh, Ben Fleet uh, and, and others working with Chris Preston in Adelaide, have pretty much come up with target site tubule sure. gene mutations. But we should never underestimate the non-target site-based resistance. <laughs> yeah. it, it sometimes takes a bit longer to become evident, and it's also much harder to study. Sure. So we study the easy things first. Makes sense. Not, not that, Jessica, <laughs> any of this is easy. No, definitely I, not. I really want to acknowledge that the work that was done here by Dr. Chu, who was here for a year, and Jin Yi Chen and the modeler and Herping Han and, uh, and Yu Xing, uh, there's some really elegant high science being done in this work. Yeah, definitely. So uh, how do these findings impact how trifluralin is used in cropping? Would there be any difference in how farmers should approach their using of trifluralin? Mm, so perhaps you're thinking as we're talking, Jessica, this is all very well, all this high science, but uh, what does it mean in the paddock or yeah. what does it mean for farmers and those that advise them? In some ways it is, to be honest, discovery, curiosity-orientated research. We we need to know what's going on. And so uh, some of it is, is pure science. But it does have some applied implications. For example, if we know that populations have target site resistance, then we know that herbicides of different modes of action will work because they'll be specific to the dinitroaniline herbicides. The red flags are when we measure metabolic resistance. When we determine that there is metabolic resistance, non-target site metabolic resistance as we have, because then we get these more complicated patterns of cross-resistance to other herbicides. But, I mean, the, the most practical message that um, comes out of this is the same one, when on a good thing, don't stick yeah, to it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> that use diversity. Uh, farmers in Australia have got great results over a long time with trifluralin. And uh, anyone listening to this, any farmer or those advising them, has to now know that trifluralin is another precious herbicide. You, it's a very economical herbicide. You want it to work on your farm for as long as possible. And there are times when we shouldn't use it. Yeah. Whenever possible, diversify. When on a good thing, don't stick to it. If you want trifluralin to keep working as long as possible, then really the simplest thing is um, don't use it when you don't have to. Rotate to other herbicides, and we've got good pre-emergent herbicides. If you take canola, for example, 
there are other herbicide options. If you take wheat, there are other herbicide, pre-emergent herbicide options. And, and I would say rotate and diversify and mix at high dose as often as possible so you can keep trifluralin working as long as possible. And I'm confident that if you do that for many farmers, trifluralin will continue to work. But if you use it every year in every crop, which is the case for a few, then uh, be prepared for it no longer working on your farm. And you, you're, you're the poorer for it because it is a good herbicide and it's very cheap herbicide and uh, it's in our interest to, to keep, keep it working. working. Of course. Now, you mentioned before that Ginny Chen is doing further work on trifluralin resistance. Is there any other research that could follow up some of the findings in this study, though? Well, yes, there are, there are other possible mutations uh, of target site. Uh, that can occur. We never discount other possibilities. Uh, but the real issue now is how much of the metabolic, the non-target site resistance, how much is that an issue in Australian agriculture and 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 what herbicides is that extending across? And, uh, and so Jin Yi, for her PhD, is looking at that metabolic resistance. I think that's the biggest question right now. And then there's all the questions about What's the extent of development of resistance to the other pre-emergent herbicides that are being used and are so important to us? Many, many questions to be answered. Well, thank you so much, Steve. I really appreciate you explaining this quite tricky paper to get your head around. It's uh, really good to be able to chat with you and get some insights into the findings. Thanks so much. You're welcome, Jessica. <laughs> 